Well, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ricky, praise team, for that incredible time of worship. If you will take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Last week, Pastor Jamie introduced a study in the book of Proverbs for us. One of the things that he kind of outlined for us is what we'll be doing for the, over the next 10 weeks now after today, we 12 week series, just kind of walking through the Proverbs. But one of the things that we're doing this time is really kind of treat, giving Proverbs kind of a topical treatment. It's, it's, uh, sometimes it's difficult to walk through Proverbs verse by verse. And so we're going to, in a, in a lot of ways, still walk through verse by verse. But then we're also going to kind of top it, uh, just tackle some, some topics that come before us. And, and the one that, that lays bef- lies before us this morning is wisdom and justice. The concept of biblical justice as we, as God's people, are seeking his face and asking for him to grant us his wisdom. Now, can I be honest with you? As I began to pray and ask the Lord, we looked at these many topics, and I began to think about, okay, how we do this in a particular order? And, and it was very clear very early on, as if we're faithful to kind of walk through the Proverbs as best as we can and in and, and a in an exegetical manner, verse by verse, then, then one of the first topics that we come to is, is honestly one of, can I just say, a, a hot topic for today? This idea of justice. Can I, can I, before we started this morning, can I just ask you to, to lay aside what you think you might know? To, to lay aside what the world has come to say justice is or isn't. Can I, can I ask you to turn off CNN and Fox News in your brain? I'm going to ask you just to take God's Word and let's see what God's Word says this morning about how we as God's people ask Him for wisdom and He leads us to be a people who absolutely care and fight for justice in our lives and in the world. Proverbs chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse, excuse me, in verse 1. The scripture says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it, what? It's wisdom. If you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then if you ask for it, if you seek it, if you long for it, if you pursue it more than anything else in this world, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield For those who live with integrity, so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. Then you will understand. Then you will understand. Understand what? Righteousness, justice, and integrity. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask this morning as we dig into your word, 
that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to turn off the distractions of the world. Help us to dive deep into your word. Lord, we ask for wisdom this morning. We pursue it. We seek it with all of our hearts. Lord, we long, we long to have wisdom from you. That comes only from you. Lord, even as we deal with a subject like justice, help us to understand what biblical justice is. Help us to understand how we as your people respond to the idea of justice in our lives. But Lord, also as your believers, as your body, help us to understand how we should respond to the issue of justice in the world around us. Lord, help us not to be fearful of, the world, of what the world might say. Help us, Lord, as believers, not to attack and tear each other down. Lord, unite us in your wisdom. Unite us in your knowledge. Unite us in your understanding. Unite us with your wisdom to be a people who receive and experience and even fight for others to know your justice. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Amen. Proverbs begins very clearly with a purpose statement. Proverbs' purpose is to impart wisdom for godly living. Last week, Pastor Jamie kind of laid out a definition I've asked Nathan to kind of place it up there for us. You'll see it on the screen. Just want to remind you, when we talk about wisdom, godly wisdom, what are we really talking about? Pastor Jamie laid out the definition for us that, that we'll see repeated, and, and we'll see it kind of, kind of come to light over the next several weeks. Wisdom. What is it? It's understanding that results in good judgment such that we please God do right by our fellow man, and flourish in our own lives. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is not intuition. It's not intelligence. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a system of this world. But, but true wisdom is just an understanding that comes from God that, that results in a changed heart and a, and a changed life and, and then a life that, that, that acts out upon good judgments. To the point that we please God, we do right by our fellow man, and as a result, our lives flourish. We come to chapter 2 in the Proverbs, and Solomon, in all of his wisdom, instructs us as children. A faithful, wise father instructing his children kind of the system that he lays out for us here in Proverbs chapter 2 is, is he really kind of says, if you do this, then that will happen. Some might lay it out like this. If you do A, then B will happen. I've learned as a father that it's very difficult to teach my children by just telling them what to do without telling them why they should do it. On the positive side and the negative side. 
You know, after a while of being a father, sometimes you repeat things to your children. And, it's, and I'll be honest, we, I, I get to a point, now I'll just confession here, maybe you're not like me, but sometimes you just get so worn out of explaining the why that eventually you just simply say, do it because I said so. But I've learned that for my children, for them to really grasp it and to understand it, that if, I, and if I'll just lay aside my impatience, and I'll really take the time to say, I need you to do A, but, but let me tell you exactly why. I've learned that if, if I take the time to, to truly, as a loving and wise father, impart that knowledge to them, I've seen them respond so much better. That's exactly what Solomon does. As a wise and loving father, he says, now come in here real close, child. If, if you will do A, then I guarantee you, I promise you, that B will happen. If, if you do this, then I know for certain that that will happen. Well, what is the this and the that? Thank you for asking. We come here and we see that basically what Solomon does is, is he lays out the first four verses of this chapter as the condition. If you seek wisdom then these are the things that will come as a result of that seeking. If you will pursue God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul, if you will seek after Him and His wisdom, then here's what He'll do in response to that. First four verses, if you search for wisdom, then. If you search for wisdom with all of your heart, if you, if you set your mind towards God and His wisdom and knowing Him, if you will search for true biblical wisdom, then you will have an understanding of the fear of the Lord and find true knowledge. Look at verse 5. Seek wisdom in the first four verses. Pursue it with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. If you do A, then B will happen. Well, how do you know, Daddy? Because of what verse 6 through 8 tells us. If you seek God's wisdom, He will give it to you. How do we know that? Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that He may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of His faithful followers. I guarantee you, Solomon says, son, daughter, if you will seek God in His face and His wisdom, then He'll grant it to you because God gives wisdom to those who want it. And we're certain of this because he is the one who guards and protects the ways of his faithful followers. Solomon goes on to say, if you search for wisdom, again in verses 1 through 4, if you search for wisdom, then you will have an understanding of God's righteousness, of God's justice, of God's equity, and you'll have an understanding of every good path. Look at verse 9. First four verses, if you seek wisdom, verse 9, then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity in every good path. How can we know that for sure? Pick up in verse 10. 
For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Let's keep reading. I know we haven't read it, but just a few more verses. It, speaking of wisdom, it will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. If you will ask God for wisdom, if you will seek it with all of your heart, then God will grant you that wisdom. And through that wisdom, he'll give you an understanding of his righteousness, of his justice, of his integrity, of his equity. He will give you this understanding and he'll set you on the right and good path. Even if your path takes you through a world that denies it, that mocks it, God will set you on a path so that you, as his people, can live righteously with integrity, with his equity, and with his justice. So why do we come this morning and why do we care so much about justice? Well, if you go back to what we studied last week, just in the first few verses of Proverbs 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful, insightful sayings. Look at verse 3. For receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. You then come to Proverbs chapter 2 and you see it just in a few verses mentioned two different times that, that there's an understanding and there, there's a seriousness about, about in, in receiving God's wisdom that, that we understand Him and, and His justice and, and how He longs for His justice to be revealed in this world and experienced by His people. Over 30 times alone in the book of Proverbs, this idea of justice just keeps coming out over and over and over again. Why should we care? What exactly is the justice of God? Can I just go ahead and say it? In our current culture, should we, should we as God's people, should we as the church be concerned with justice, even on a social level? What is justice? I found several definitions, and one of the definitions that I really like the most says that justice, hear me, just, just think about this. Justice is the order that God seeks to reestablish in his creation where people receive the benefits of life, and primarily a life in him. Hear me. Again, listen, listen to what one of these Bible definitions is, a Bible study a definition that I found, that justice is the order God seeks to reestablish in his creation where people receive the benefits of life and primarily a life in and with him. Justice, when we think about it on a biblical level, really comes with two primary aspects. Justice is, one of the, my, one of the major aspects is this. Justice is the standard by which penalties are assigned for breaking the obligations of God. Even in society, this idea of justice, typically where most people's minds go to, is, is we like to correlate justice with punishment. Justice, 
equals punishment. And can I just go ahead and say that there's a, re- there's a reality to that, that in, in the Bible you absolutely see that a part of God's justice is Him bringing punishment for evil doing. For those who part from Him, from those who walk in, in paths that, of unrighteousness, those who, who seek after the wisdom of the world, there's absolutely a reality that in some regards justice does equal punishment. But there's a There's a second aspect of justice that really I I want us to focus on this morning because as you walk through the rest of Proverbs, that's the primary idea of justice. It's not just the punishment of God. The second aspect of justice is this. Justice is the standard by which the rights and advantages of life are handed out. Hear me. When we think about biblical justice, it's the idea that it's the standard by which the rights and advantages of life are handed out. That includes material goods. It includes the understanding and the rights of participation in a group. It's the understanding that opportunities and liberties are all a part of what we see here in God dealing out His biblical justice in the lives of His people and, hear me, and even in society today. Two aspects of justice. Cultures differ widely in determining how benefits are justly distributed. Cultures throughout history and even today. You see, a lot of societies determine how you just receive justice by, by placing you in certain categories, right? Maybe, maybe justice for you is determined by your status. I mean, that's been the case throughout history. That's one of the reasons why we celebrate independence like we do. Back in old England and even today, your status would determine the amount of justice that you might receive. If you were born of royalty and nobility, you received a certain amount of justice, more so than someone who wasn't. Culture, they, they are sometimes distributing and hand out justice according to someone's ability, according to someone's merit. Throughout history, justice sometimes has been dealt with people and towards people because of the color of their skin. Let's just be honest. That is the world, that is the system and the thought and the poor wisdom and knowledge of this world. The Bible has a completely different approach. Scripture teaches us that that really when we think about the justice of God, that benefits are distributed according to someone's need. All throughout the Scriptures, we actually see when we think about this idea of justice, this is where we see that God's justice actually directly relates to His love, His mercy, and His grace. This is where we flip the coin and we don't just think about the punishment of God, but in reality, when we think about the justice of God, it relates directly to to Him just being a loving and gracious God. That He's willing to give to us what we don't deserve. He's willing not to give to us what we do deserve. And He's distributing justice according to one's need, not according to one's status, not according to one's ability, not according to one's merits. Because none of us would be worthy of it. See, in the Bible, various groups are people who receive God's justice. 
I just went through the scriptures and just listed a few. There's many more, but, but just think about it, right? You read through the scriptures and you see that there are people who at times did receive, were direct recipients of God's, of God's system of justice. Who were they? Widows, orphans, resident aliens, sometimes referred to in scripture as sojourners or strangers, the poor, prisoners, slaves, and the sick. Look, the list could go on and on and on. That, that, that in the world system, justice is distributed because of whether you're worthy or not, because of the color of your skin, because maybe you, you, you were born on one side of the tracks, because maybe you, have, maybe you have, have a certain type of upbringing. Maybe you went to this school and not that school. That's the world system. But God's system is based on need. God is the one who reaches down and, and absolutely loves and ministers to the poor. God is the one who reaches down and, and, and cares for and labors for the widow and the orphan. On and on and on you see the list of how God distributes his justice in some incredible ways. Each one of those groups that I just mentioned, they have very specific needs, right, which keep its members from being able to participate in certain aspects of the community. In fact, some of those people that I listed there, their very life could be in danger. In the world system of justice, their lives could be in danger. We think about justice, whether, whether at this point we talk about biblical or social. True biblical justice, it, it absolutely involves meeting the needs of those people. Injustice, the opposite of biblical justice, injustice or oppression, it's the use of one's power for one's own advantage in depriving others of their basic rights and needs. So then justice is, is fighting against that abuse. What does the Bible say about justice? Really quick, I'm just going to ask Andrew. We're going to run through these quickly. We're going to see some scriptures beginning right here in Proverbs. Over 30 is we, we could be able to look at, but we're not, for the sake of time, we're not going to look at them all. What does the scripture teach about, about biblical justice and, and ultimately why should we care? What does the Bible say? Well, first off, we see in the scriptures that the wise walk in paths of righteousness and justice. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 20 and 21. Look at the screen. This is wisdom here. Wisdom really is being personified and wisdom itself is speaking is how it's written in Proverbs chapter 8. I, speaking wisdom, I walk in the ways of righteousness along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Here in this idea, righteousness is described as doing what is right, while justice refers to, to being just or, or having a fair ruling. The two ideas are related. They're, they're mutually related. Righteousness and justice go hand in hand. You see, the righteous person is, is characterized by justice, and, and the righteous person actually rejoices whenever justice is distributed. How do we know that? Proverbs 21, look at it on the screen, verse 15. Justice executed is a joy to the righteous, but a terror to the evildoers. True biblical justice, when it's distributed, is something that the righteous people of God rejoice in and celebrate over. Yet the evildoers tremble in terror. Also, when you read through Proverbs, this idea of justice, it's associated directly with truth. God's truth, biblical truth. Proverbs 12, verse 5, you'll see it on the screen. The thoughts of the righteous are just, 
but guidance from the wicked is deceitful. Same chapter, verse 17. Whoever speaks the truth declares what is right, but a false witness speaks deceit. Proverbs tells us that justice is actually preferred even over the sacrifice of God's people, the sacrifices that God has demanded of us. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To, to do righteousness and justice, it's more important that we do that, that we live that way, than it is even in sacrifice. Reminds me of Isaiah chapter 1. Where the prophet Isaiah, speaking on behalf of the Lord, tells the people of God. The people of God were going through the motions, right? They were continuing to gather together on holy days. They were continuing to, to perform sacrifices. They were continuing to gather together in the temple, and they were going through the motions, yet at the same time, they were actually characterized by unrighteousness when they were outside of the temple. The fact of the matter is, there was unrighteousness going on in the temple. They, they were living one way during the week and living another way when they gathered together. And Isaiah, speaking on behalf of the Lord, tells the people, I wish you'd just shut your mouths. Just go back and read it. Isaiah 1, he says, look, I'm sick of your praying. I don't even want you to pray anymore. I'd rather you not show up and go through the motions if you don't live righteous and holy lives. Isaiah 1, prophet Isaiah says, who demanded such sacrifices from you? It's kind of funny. It was God who instituted the sacrificial system. Yet God is asking the people, who demanded these sacrifices from you? Well, God, it was you. What, what do you mean, Lord? I didn't ask you to keep going through the motions and perform sacrifices if you weren't going to come in the right spirit and the right heart. You'll see it here. That justice is preferred even over sacrifice of God's people. Ultimately, the scriptures teach us that justice, that, that when we think about justice, that God is the source of all justice. Proverbs 29, you'll see it on the screen, verse 26. Many desire a ruler's favor, but a person receives justice from the Lord. We, we all want, want, want favor, but ultimately justice comes from God and God alone. Now look, there, there's so many other verses throughout the Bible about justice and biblical justice. I know right now you're thinking, well, this is all in Proverbs in the Old Testament. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus himself actually affirmed this idea, this Old Testament demand for justice in his day. Matthew 23, 23, you see it on the screen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. These were the, supposedly the law keepers. They were the law makers because they added to God's law but they were the ones who were lifted up and held as, as the holy and righteous ones, while really they were living a lie. Woe to you, Jesus says, you scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You keep part of the law. You, you do part of it by how? By, you pay a tenth of mint, deal, and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law. What are they? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You uphold certain parts of the law while, while really not giving attention to what's most important in the law. The law being justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done, these things should have been done without giving neglect to the others. 
Justice should absolutely be the concern for the New Testament church. Justice should absolutely be a primary concern of the New Testament church, even today. James chapter 1, verse 27. We don't need a whole lot of explanation because we've studied James recently. James 1, 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Look, the Bible goes on to actually teach us that this idea of justice is even key in our salvation. Do you understand? When we talk about the justice of God, it is a key truth and understanding of our salvation. Paul spoke of God's justice whenever it comes to, to his condemnation and penalty of sin at the same time in, in personal salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians 2, 12 through 13, you see it on the screen. At that time, you were without Christ. At what time? Before you came to know Christ, you were lost in your sins. You were receiving the, the condemnation of God and rightly and justly so. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But praise be to God, because of his righteousness and his love, his mercy and his grace, he dealt out justice. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, the good news of the gospel and ultimately the justice of God our Father is that it is through this understanding of biblical justice that there must be condemnation on the unrighteous. There must be penalty because of sin. And yet Jesus Christ came to take that penalty upon himself. The justice of God was dealt with and the justice of God has been dealt out. And we as his people have received his justice not based upon our merit, not based upon our worth, not based upon our status. We've received his righteous justice simply because of his love, mercy, and grace. So how should Christians then engage in the sharing of biblical justice? How should Christians engage maybe in this, with this idea of, even though I don't always like using the term, social justice? I understand that that word has been hijacked that has become a political term that unfortunately has even crept into the church and has divided God's people. It's sad and it's unfortunate because we fight and we resist this idea of justice when actually it's key. It's absolutely key. <coughs> I found a, an article. I'll just close. Just with, is, there's an article on, from the Gospel Coalition put out a few years ago. And, and it asked the question, how should Christians engage in social justice? Listen to what the article said. Whether we use the term or not, they acknowledge that it's kind of a hot-button term. Whether we use the term or not, Christians are engaged in social justice when we advocate for issues such as abortion, racial reconciliation, religious liberty, and sex trafficking. And the list could go on and on and on. 
We engage in social justice whenever we seek moral reform of our society in a way that ensures every person is treated with dignity and given their due. I come back to the definition of justice I shared at the beginning. Justice is the order that God seeks to reestablish in his creation where people receive the benefits of life, primarily the life in him. You see, Solomon, in his wisdom, speaking to us as faithful children who are looking for the way, a way to walk that brings glory to God, say, look, if, if you'll pray for wisdom, you'll seek it. If you'll seek it more than anything else, then, then God the Father will absolutely share with you his wisdom. And, and as he gives you his wisdom, he'll open up to you your mind and your understanding of, of a subject and a topic like this, justice. Where, where God actually desires to, to reestablish what he established in the first place. A, a, a beautiful and unbroken and unmarred relationship with him. God's ultimate desire is so that you and I could walk with him and experience him and, and have relationship with him. Yet sin entered into this world and crept in and it broke that relationship. As a part of his justice, he now deals with our sin in a, with a righteous indignation. There's, there's certainly, there's absolutely penalty and consequences to sin. But praise God, dealing, dealing with us justly, he doesn't just pour out his wrath. His same aspect of that same justice deals with the sin in, 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 a, in a wrathful way, but, but he, he dealt with that directly with the sacrifice of Christ. So that now when we think about justice, it's not just his righteous, righteous indignation. It's, it's his love, mercy, and grace so that you and I can have a relationship with him. Justice is key to the gospel. Justice is key to our understanding of the gospel. Justice now is key. If we are a people who've experienced that love and mercy and grace, if we've experienced his justice, then we as God's people are absolutely called to be those who share that justice with everyone. And we deal with other people the way God deals with us. Not based upon merit, not based upon class, not based upon system, not based upon the color of our skin. But we understand that each and every one is created in the image of Almighty God. And we all have certain rights and privileges. And regardless of the country in which we live, there's a right and a privilege being created in the image of God that is ultimately realized in a relationship with Him. I have a question for you. Have you experienced that kind of justice? This morning you're watching online, have you experienced that kind of justice that Jesus Christ gives to us? Have you experienced that absolutely Christ is the one who came 
to take your place, to take your penalty? Have you experienced, yes, the, the, the indignation of God upon sin, but at the same time dealing with his sin through Christ, giving you love, mercy, and grace? Have you experienced that? If you're watching this morning, if you're here, you've never experienced that kind of love, mercy, and grace, and justice through Christ. Today's the day. I'm going to ask the pray team. They're going to come begin to make their way up here. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. There'll be some numbers that are provided for you on the screen. You could respond. We have pastors who are going to be online. We'd love to tell you about the sacrifice of Christ and how you can trust in Jesus Christ and receive God's pardon for your sin. For the rest of us, so I've already done that, Pastor. So here's my question to you. Are you concerned with God's justice today? Are you concerned that, that everyone has opportunity to see and experience biblical justice? Are, are, are you truly concerned not so much about what the world says because they, honestly, they've got the whole justice system sometimes turned upside down. I praise God for our legal justice system here in America. But even at times, it's flawed because it's, it's a system built by men. But look, let me tell you, outside of this country, justice system still very much operates based on class and, and status and ability and merit. If you've experienced the love, mercy, and grace and justice of God, are you concerned that others get to experience that same justice? Are, are, you, are, you, are you concerned for those who are oppressed? Do you speak for those who have no voice? I'm not trying to be political here. I think as God's people, we need to rescue the idea of justice. We need to take back the idea of biblical justice. We need to take the, back the idea of social justice. We need to be a people who absolutely stand for what God's word says. We need to be a people who deal with others justly as God has dealt with us. Wisdom is defined as understanding that results in good judgment so that we please God, we do right by our fellow man, and we flourish in our own lives. We ask for God's wisdom to be a just people this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we enter this time of commitment, I pray that you would remind us as your people that you are a loving and merciful God that you have dealt with us in ways that we are undeserving of. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning in this room or joining us online who've never experienced salvation found only in Christ, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts, that they would repent of their sins, they would turn from their sins and confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That they would experience loving and merciful justice. Lord, I pray at the same time that now we as your people, we who gather together this day, Lord, that we would not cower down to what the world says. We would not back down from what society might hold up as justice. But Lord, that we would be a people 
when it's right, we stand shoulder to shoulder. When it's biblical, we absolutely stand on that truth. And we care for and fight for justice for all. So the world might see the truth of the gospel. Lord, help us to be a people who are not afraid to stand for what's right. To be a people who fight against what is wrong. And help us to be a people who with your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding, help us to be a people who walk in righteousness and deal with our fellow man justly. Speak to our hearts now, Lord. Do a work in us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.